Hi, everybody. Welcome to Shasai Podcast, conversations between scholars from around the world who study childhood, youth, and related institutions historically. As an official production of the Society for the History of Children and Youth, you can subscribe to these shows through iTunes or Google Play. Written and visual materials associated with each episode are available at our website, shcy.org. Enjoy. Hello, my name is Casey Messia, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Hannah Dyer, author of The Queer Aesthetics of Childhood, Asymmetries of Innocence, and the Cultural Politics of Child Development. Her book was released by Rutgers University Press in 2020. Hannah is an associate professor of child and youth studies at Brock University and happens to be my partner. <laughs> Her work draws from childhood studies, queer theory, aesthetics, and psychoanalysis. I'm also an academic. I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Media Communication Studies at York University in Toronto, Canada. And my research is in the fields of queer diaspora, Filipinx studies, and aesthetics. I'm also an artist and musician. It has been a profound pleasure to be present for Hannah's research and writing, and now the conversation spurred by the publication of her book. Hello. Hello. So, Hannah, could you speak a bit about the intellectual journey that brought you to the topics addressed in the queer aesthetics of childhood? Mm-hmm. Um. Thanks so much for talking with me, as you must often do. Very easy to do. Very easy to <laughs> schedule and organize. Um, so, so the book really began um, as my doctoral dissertation, and, and I think many people's first academic books truly do. Um, I was influenced by psychoanalytic theories of childhood, specifically childhood memories and traumas. Um, theories of aesthetic expression, and I had a longer period of exposure to feminist theory and anti-colonial thought, which, which really began in my undergrad. So the theoretical frameworks that I use in the book are made from intertextual reverberations that occurred through reading across these fields. But I could say that there's another origin story for the book. Well, I was in both undergrad and graduate school. I worked in shelters and group homes with children and youth. Um, and, and the book is in many ways about the interactions between the experiences of children who are marginalized and the theories of child development constructed by adults. Can and do queer and racialized children, for example, inhabit normative theories of childhood development that explain how to measure successful growth. I was interested in how our theories of child development themselves can be really cruel to a lot of children, um, such as the children that I was working alongside, and interested in how the figure of the child violently abstracts difficult experiences that many children face. So, um, the book is full of philosophical propositions about our theories of childhood, but also it's a challenge to treat children better. So it's kind of a convening around the question, how do our theories of childhood hurt so many children? Uh, ultimately, 
I might say that the queer aesthetics of childhood is a meditation on why we should be resistant to fantasies of child rescue on behalf of their perceived innocence, all the while knowing that they might indeed need our help. So this is something I was really interested in. Um, the, the notion that children don't necessarily need protection, but they might, because of their unique subjectivities, need some form of help. Um, so it's a kind of difficult ethical terrain. And the centrality of queerness to this inquiry is in many ways because of queerness's capacity to help us conceptualize what is not metabolized in the process of growing up or what is often termed in childhood studies development. Um, so, so the book brings together queer theory and childhood studies as others have done, um, but does so um, from within the field of child studies, not outside of it. So which of the book's contributions are you the most proud of? You're obviously grappling with a lot of different theories and objects in this text. Um, is there something that stands out? Is there a particular chapter that you're most proud of? Um, can you speak more about uh, that process? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I'm mostly proud um, to learn that the book is being taught. I really wrote it um, in many ways for students. And, and when I mean it's being taught, I mean it's being assigned by others in courses. Um, and, and I'm excited about that. Uh, I wanted to write for students and also for the growing field of critical child studies. Um, but I'd say I'm also proud to know that it's being taught in places like disability studies, art education, and gender studies. Um, if I think about what I'm proud of, it might have to do with method in some ways. So um, I think, of course, I could do a better job at some things, and, and I hope to in the future, um, and I'll hone some of my techniques, but I'm still proud of the unruly interdisciplinary method that I employ to study childhood. Um, and of course, childhood studies contains its own debates about discipline and about training. And I try to work across many disciplines. So there's some methodological experimentations in the book that I'd like to continue crafting, but um, I am proud of the kind of groundwork that was laid here. Um, and, and I'm proud of some of the critical readings of art um, and thinking about art-based methods in the book. So my interdisciplinary mode of investigation causes the book's discussion of childhood to move between real children, embodied childhoods, and references to childhood as symbolic and phantasmatic figuration. And, and here I'm thinking, for example, childhood studies exists in psychology, but it also exists in literary studies. And how do these disciplines and traditions speak across um, and to each other, but also produce certain kinds of tensions. So as part of my challenge to conjure theories that help to recompose the field of childhood studies so um, it can better account for what I describe as asymmetries of innocence, in the book I turn to different um, kinds of cultural objects for analysis. So. These include a novel, children's drawings, film, and an art installation. 
I allow child studies and queer theory to thicken together. And what I really aim to do um, is to activate a new theoretical framework for thinking about children's art and play. And if I have a thesis in the book, it's um, something that rests on the proposal that queer affect runs wild in the aesthetics of childhood. In the book, I, I tried to honor children's art and play while also analyzing representations of childhood that are really constructed by adults. So this is one of the tensions of the work, right? That I'm trying to think, to think with. Um, we have childhood in terms of children's experiences, but our representations of childhood are usually built by adults. So we can think about a film um, about childhood as a theory of childhood constructed by an adult. So I'm proud of the foundation laid here but I'm excited for a future where I can really tighten my theory and also my method. Um, or a future where I can offer a continued thinking through of how the residues of childhood are left on the adult's politics, desires, and an aesthetic experience. I mean, that's a really good segue to my next question. Um, what are you working on now? <laughs> is, the, is the next project a continuation of what you uh, have been thinking about in this book? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I'm working on a number of collaborative projects um, and I'm learning a, a lot from them. I'm also now recovering from parenting during a pandemic, but also feeling grateful for the time um, that I got to spend with my family, including yourself during the, the pandemic and, and the ways that it has also sharpened my theories of childhood in lots of ways. I'm currently the graduate program director in child and youth studies at Brock. Um, and I'm thinking towards a second book, but mostly feeling nourished by reading the amazing and emerging work in childhood studies. Well, uh, I have another question that is related to uh, uh, the child that we share. <laughs> and if this child, in fact, has altered um, your conceptualizing of childhood or uh, the ways in which uh, Asa has impacted your thinking on childhood, um, there's a way in which our engagement with a material child uh, may land in, in interesting ways on the way that you're thinking. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um, and, and one that I've thought about because I actually don't think I could write this book now um, after, mm -hmm. after the experience of having Asa, who we parent together. Um, so the book came out and the, he was already born, of course, he's now three. Um, but uh, I've just been differently exposed to childhood, right, mm -hmm. alongside him. Um, and, and I think that um, it's going to take me some time to really grapple with the ways that he has pulled apart um, and, and really ruined everything I thought I knew about child development, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't read a book that would help me think about it, but I have a lot of feeling that I might like to um, put into theory. But yeah, he's, he's a gift and, and a large responsibility. And, and I think what I don't yet have is the, the language with which to express the really deep responsibility of being accountable to a child, right? Um, 
so so he's gonna help me build a better theory of childhood but but before I get there I think I have to step away from it and just be with him um I'm not sure if that answers you yeah no that's question. a good answer it seems that there is a, a deep chasm between uh you know this material child that we share and the ways in which we theorize childhood and so it sounds like uh time has to be taken to consider how to do that ethically and um, in consideration of our little guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, def- it's a question of ethics, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, there, is, there is a part in the, in the book where I talk about my attachment to the project, and mm-hmm. I talk about Asa, who was really just born, um, and, and I do talk about something that, that I think remains, and, and I haven't changed my mind, which is that... Um, my queerness is implicated in his experience of the world, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's something that he'll have to grapple with because he exists in the shadow of my presence, right? And, and I in his shadow too, right? Um, but but that's something, of course, like to think about a three-year-old, to think about um, identification and subjectivity. And it's something that psychoanalysis is so helpful right um but also queer theory um the the kind of ways that that children undo our theories of gender but then also um present us with new and maybe better theories of gender so um that that part of the book i i don't think i would rewrite but in other ways um i would rethink childhood after spending a few years with him um, so I have a couple more questions uh, before we end this. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to circle back to this uh, notion of uh, unruly method, unru- unruly methodologies that you uh, spoke of previously. Um, can you can you talk a bit more about what you mean by that? Um, how you've animated that, and and perhaps who you've turned to um, to help um, uh, in that process. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, so, so one of the, the challenges that I sought out for myself really was to produce a, a almost transdisciplinary book, right? Um, and, and because I work in a, a department where there's neuroscientists, people who do stats, um, people who do more sociocultural theories of childhood, um, and, and myself, right, who is more interested in that kind of like textual analysis um, discourse. So um, what brings us all together is that we all define ourselves as scholars of child and youth, right? Um, so, so I wanted to write a book that students could read or maybe even feel compelled by despite their orientation to the project of studying children and youth, right? So um, to invite someone into the project who generally is interested in neuroscience, um, it's a big challenge, right? So, so to convince them to, to think critically about art is not easy, but it's something that I sought to do. Um, so there's that, but, but also it's just simply that I never feel like I have a disciplinary home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's something that that makes me feel really great about childhood studies because it's so many things at once and it allowed me then to write a book that 
could do more than one thing with method um, and, and feel creative in, in doing so. Okay, last question. Um, uh, so your book presents a potential or a pedagogical encounter with its readers. And I'm wondering what it is about the aesthetic that you think invites uh, you know, a perhaps more capacious consideration of what childhood means and how childhood operates? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, there's like all of those kind of like cheesy quotations that you find like mm-hmm. children are the greatest artists and, right. you know, like... Right, right. Um, so, so I think though there is something like really powerful and maybe profound about thinking, um, with a child who doesn't yet have the complexity of language perhaps to describe experience, but yet aesthetically communicates it, right? Um, so, so there's that vein of thinking that's present in the book, but but I'm also just really interested in representations of childhood, right? Um, and, and so movies and books where an adult is producing a theory of childhood because they're the ones who are writing the child, right? Um, and, and then what happens is they tell us so much about themselves as they do so, right? So, mm-hmm. so I often talk about... Um, this with my students when I assign novels and it's not something that they're used to, right? Because they might study psychology, right? Um, But to describe a certain kind of novel as a theory of child development or a film as a theory of child development allows them to make an attachment to it and to ask new kinds of questions, right? Um, but, But myself as a learner in the classroom, I am most touched or again, I could say undone um, by by art that's brought into the classroom, right? For me, there's like an aesthetic experience that often then moves me towards a, a new line of thinking or questions that, that has to do with that kind of aesthetic encounter. So um, all of these things come together in the book. Um, and and I don't try to privilege one over the other, but, but they're all interesting to me, right? And, and there's a lot of um, work that thinks about this in relation to psychoanalysis and childhood, right? Um, so it's all there, yeah. Yeah, I really love this idea of locating um, theories of childhood in the art that we consume. So, yes, thank you for this conversation. It's been nice picking your brain this afternoon and I'm sure when this ends, we'll keep chatting. <laughs> Thank you so much for agreeing to do this and to talking with me. Anytime. Thank you for listening to Shusai Podcasts. You can find more materials and features from the Society for the History of Children and Youth online. shcy.org.